Hey friends, thanks for tuning in to the Church Planner Podcast. Before we started today, wanted to tell you about a really special opportunity. Our friends at the Micro Church Conference put on by Brave Future, um, happening April 18th through the 20th in Kansas City. This is for all of you who are wondering what is a new kind of paradigm for missional church planting and church multiplication through smaller expressions of church, what they call rediscovering the smaller way. It's happening April 18th through the 20th. Kansas City is being hosted by Kansas City Underground. It's going to be a great weekend. And they've given us four free registrations to give away. Normally the price is $90, but we will get you into the conference for free. We have four of those. What you can do to enter is go on our Instagram at Church Planter Podcast. And there you'll find um, a, a DM button. Click that DM button. Send us a DM with your email on it and your name and where you serve. So email, name, where you serve, and you'll be entered to win one of four micro church conference registrations. You just get yourself to Kansas City and uh, you can be there and learn a ton from our friends at Brave Futures. Hope you enjoy the show today. The illustrious Jabba bids you welcome. <laughs> I'm going to regret this. I'm Pete Mitchell. He's Peyton Jones. And this is the Church Planner Podcast, brought to you by Church Planner Magazine. Hey, Church Planner, this is Pete Mitchell. And this is Peyton Jones. And you're listening to the kindler, gentler Church Planner Podcast. Hi. <laughs> we should do love lines for Church Planner Podcast. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> I, I, n- n- never forget our first appointment for Church Planner Magazine at Saddleback Church. Oh, oh let's there's a memory there. for you. Let's not go there. Everybody's like, how were those two things connected? You don't want to know. <laughs> Let's just say, cowboy, you don't want to know. <laughs> All right, Tiger. Let's get started. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Okay, so um, uh, what is today's topic? And then we'll get into some smack talk. Today's topic is self-awareness in leadership. How important is it? What is it? Who has it? Do so in I other words, pretty much just listen to Smack Talk because then it's going to get really boring really quick. Uh, pretty much. Self-awareness is a good thing. Sure. Whatever. <laughs> so what kind of Smack Talk you got for us this week? I have nothing. I don't know. I have that nothing. I, I don't know that I have anything either because we kind of talked beforehand, and I'm like, I don't know. That was a mistake. I called you on my way home driving, and we just laughed and said a bunch of well, things that we can't repeat. The inappropriate things. Bad. By the way, when Pete and I say that we can't repeat them, we don't talk about sinful things. Like it's just our sense of humor is dark. So um, <laughs> and inappropriate. We laugh at things that aren't funny, but then that makes it funnier. 
So no, we laugh at things that are really, really funny, but that no one else would find funny. No one else would find funny. <laughs> but but I gotta say, you know, it's not like we're sitting there cussing. We're not talking about disgustingness. We're not we're not crossing lines of sin. And I know we seem like two punks, but uh, I do want to say that we, you know, we're not. It's not like it's unholy. It's just it's not inappropriate because it's sinful. It's just I guess it's everybody be like, dude, that's not funny. And we think it's funny. <laughs> oh my gosh. I'm just so thinking of what my dad would say. <laughs> it would it would not go over well, that's for sure. It would not. But uh yeah, so hey, um I think we do need to continue our conversation from last week. I think I think one of the topics I don't know that this is smack talk, but I also don't know that it's a main topic. I think at some point we should talk about the whole issue of and, and I, I, it's a tough one, but we should talk about the issue of how to protect your church. What are you supposed to do when it comes to protecting your church? You know, we live in a day and age with, you know, all of the active shooters. Obviously, we're right on the heels of the uh, Florida school shooting. Uh, last November, there was the Texas church shooting. Um, as as those of you who've listened to the podcast, I've, you know, gotten into uh, shooting as a hobby. And I read magazines and I am like astounded, blown away at how many shootings happen at churches or two pastors nationwide every year. Like it's, it's mind boggling. And, uh, and, and let me give a disclaimer before we even begin. Um, you know, Pete and I are, are different on this. I'm not even going to say that we, you know, for me, I'm middle of the road. I, I well, and I don't know that I have an answer to this question. Yeah, well, and this is what I'm going to say is if you listen to Smack Talk for any length of time, you know that it tends to be dominated by Pete's particular hobbies. We <laughs> talked about Star Wars underwear for, you know, gosh, I don't know how long. Then we talked about when Pete got a charger, and every episode for months was, you know, had Smack Talk about the charger. Even to the point where he loved the charger so much, I almost tempted him to buy me one because it would be like he got to buy another one. And that was cool. That still would have been my master stroke of our friendship if I had gotten you to buy me a charger. And then now it's guns. So Pete has a gun addiction. Um, a, it uh, is. Passion. I, no, I admit I am addicted. <laughs> and and he's he's buying them. And it's a hobby. You know, Pete hasn't killed anybody. That's good that we know of. Um, but, you know, the, the thing is, is I'm not a gun owner. So don't come on here and go, oh, I knew it. These guys, man, you know, right wing conservative. That's. Not what our podcast is, but here's the deal. But it could be. It could. <laughs> For you. <laughs> but but here's the deal. For me, I, I'm i not. It's it's not my thing, you know. I, I wouldn't mind being a ninja. You know, we've talked about that a lot. I, I would actually start a ninja, like, equivalent of a firing range. Would you start a ninja stars. podcast? That's the real question. I'm starting a ninja podcast. Oh nice. Before my next book comes out. I am. Nice. It's gonna be it's gonna be about ninja church planning. So don't go steal my ninja church planning idea and start a podcast. Did you already ninja buy the church domain planning. name? Because if not I'm buying it. Oh gosh dang it. You're too fast for me, Mitchell. <laughs> so so anyway, so so shooters. 
active shooters in your church. Now, this is not the topic today. We're talking about self-awareness, but uh, the topic of smack talk, because Pete wants to talk about his new hobby. No, no, I actually, I think, it's not that I want, no, I actually, I think it's, I don't even know what the, even dignify that response. I don't know what, what the answer is. And and here's kind of what's, what's brought it up. Obviously the, there's been, you know, several church shootings. The most, uh, you know, recent one was uh, the Texas shooting. What was it like? 27 people uh, shot. Is that what it was? Do you remember? I, th- I think that's right. I mean, I don't know. Wasn't so we, it like 17 killed and like just as many no were injured? I have no idea. I thought it was 27 killed. Right, it could be. Could but be. I, I, know, I don't know. Crazy. Whatever it is, it was, yeah, it was, it was, it was massive. And so, you know, and then there's. So here's here's the here's the debate question. What do you do in America? Let's just look at it from an American standpoint, because each country is going to be different. The environment you're in is different. Um, you know, church planners in Iran, China, totally different, right? And in right. how you should handle this. And I'm not saying I have the answer to this. I have no idea. It just in my own hobby of of shooting and going to the gun range and taking courses and training. Um, a part of that, I, I took the course to get what's called a concealed carry weapons permit. And I do have one now for the state of Arizona, even though I don't live in Arizona, it's kind of a long story. Uh, but it's actually the same class for that as it is California. I'm still waiting on my California one. But, um, in, in talking with those guys who run that, that company that train everybody, I was talking with one guy and he's like, yeah, you know, we actually got called in to do training for this one church and every single person on staff, all of the pastors are now all CCW holders and they're all packing. And it's just, it's kind of a weird thing when you're like, "Uh, Mm -hmm. okay, we got a pastor packing heat here. Right. And so I'm not, it doesn't sit easy with me. I don't think it should. I really don't. Right. But but there is the question of, okay, so what do you do? We've got church plants that are in really bad parts of town. And they've got people with CCW permits. And in my opinion, they should. And uh, so, I, you know, it, it's the question. What, well, what do you do? Yeah, what do you do? I mean, in one sense, if someone comes into your church and starts firing on your congregation. Um, at what point do you say, well, you know, that's persecution. You know, that's that's what the early church went through. That's what we are called to go through. Um, we're suffering. Um, people are killing us. I mean, you know, was it right that the early church went to the Colosseum, or should they have, when the Romans burst through the doors, armed themselves with swords and spears and killed the Roman guards? And they made the choice not to because they counted that that was part of being persecuted. So I'm, uh, to me, as I look at the, the issue, um, it's, very, it's very tough because on, on one hand, and this, this is where I always fall on, on this whole gun debate, I listen and... I, I have opinions, but I don't have conclusions yet. 
Mm. Because I, I listen and I think you make a good point. And I, you made that, that statement last week where you said it's a failure to listen. That's, that's the biggest problem on this issue is nobody's listening to any people polarized and you can't even have a civil conversation anymore. Like you, you just pointed something out on online this week. Um, Dude, I don't know that I handled it appropriately, but I was laughing the whole way. Right, (laughs) right. Here's the thing is I just kind of feel like, you know, you're, you're at a place where nowadays you, even amongst Christians, you can't talk. And I had a rad interview with a guy named uh, James Emery White today who talks a lot about like the next generation and this and that. And he, he said, you know, really when you talk to, to younger people, um, the, the main thing that, that they look at with us is it's about power in the church, guns and money. And it's a major turnoff to them. So on one hand, we got to look at it and think, you know, not, not that we have to, oh, they don't like that Christians have guns. Okay. Well, then we got to get, it's not that, but it's that, is there this persona and why? What is the message that we're giving, uh, on behalf of the gospel? And that, that's always to me the number one question is what's the message? I'm always the gospel. If, if, if but okay, gospel, but so if yeah. the gospel is the thing, here's here's the question that I've got. Like I said, I don't know that I've got the answer. No, if someone mm-hmm. was an active shooter at Refuge Long Beach, you know a good portion of the people sitting in that audience are not saved. Mm-hmm. It is not persecution when you're killing someone who is not a Christian. Right. Well, and also children. So if we look at it from the other side. Well, but the difference is most Christians believe Christian or children are going to go to heaven. Yeah, if you what, kill a non terrible, what a terrible narrative that would be, though. If well, they said, well, we knew kids go to heaven. So well, of course, defend them. of course. I'm not, and I'm not saying you don't defend not. kids. Not. I'm just I'm playing devil's advocate. Yeah. But what I'm saying, though, is, OK, t- 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 here's what it came down to for me. Because I was talking with uh, with one of my my pastors about this, I said, you know, if if my family is in danger, now I can say all of this having not had a gun pulled on me, right? Because I think once you go into that situation, everything kind of goes out the window, and I have no idea how you react, right? You kind of hope you react a certain way, but if my family, if I thought they were in danger, believe me, I don't have a problem putting you down. Um, and I, and I, I'm right or wrong. I'm just not going to have a problem with it. And, but let's say it's just me and I'm in the middle of nowhere. N- literally no one else is in danger. There's no way anyone else could be in danger because there's no one else around for miles. Right. Just to make this, this example, if I die, I know what happens to me, but let's say I'm, I'm carrying, I, I got a concealed weapon. And I kill that guy first, and he's not saved. He doesn't have a chance to come to know God, right? Mm. To me, that's I look at that and I go, okay, well, there's a problem. So if I die, I'm going to heaven, no problem. Yes, it sucks for everyone who's left behind. It sucks for my kids, sucks for my wife. Yes, I get that. But at least that guy's got a little bit longer to live and hopefully come to know God. Right. I can say that on this side of it, having never had anyone draw a gun on me, and I hope I never have to go through that. Right. 
but I think, you know, once you start, once you're in that church environment, I, you know, you can't speak to everyone else in that church. Like if you're so sure that, well, this is, you know, our church, we're all good Christians in here and this is persecution. I kind of look at that and I go, well then, yeah, okay, fine. But I, I, most of the church plants I look at, I'm like, dude, if there was an active shooter in here, you're sending people directly to hell. Mm. And I got a problem with that. Right. So, I, you know, I don't know. It's a tough issue. It's a tough issue. Oh my gosh, it's a tough issue. And right. I don't, I don't know what I, I don't know if I know what the answer is to that. I don't either, brother. I don't either. And uh, that was most depressing smack talk ever. <laughs> So uh, anyway, I, I took my uh, charger to get a car wash today. It looks really good. Were you wearing clean underwear? Was it by any chance Wookie underwear? <laughs> well, let's just say my underwear was growling. <laughs> I don't want to know about that. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Will you stop moving those chairs? Dude, all I can say is this podcast has gone downhill right from the beginning. Yes, yes, yes. It has. It has. I have nothing. I mean, I literally have nothing. I've been reading like a bad boy. That's been good. Um, I've, I've just, to be honest, dude, I've been busy, like super, super busy. And uh, I'm just working on a huge amount of projects. So that's that's kind of been what it's been for me, man. Well, and I, I think it's fair to also point out that. Where did Yoda? Did you hear that? I accidentally hit the button, and I was trying to say something else, but I hit the button Yoda, instead. Hold on, yeah. not your turn yet, Pete. Go ahead before you're so rudely interrupted. No, I can't even remember what I was going to say. Must not have been important. Um, yeah. Oh, oh it's the afternoon. Busy. That's the other problem. We're recording this in the afternoon. Actually, evening. Afternoon podcasts are never good. Yeah, it's five. Pretty we much. We don't do this normally. No, not at all. So, hey. <clears throat> Uh, well, Yoda, it's your time. Welcome, you are. This week's episode of the Church Planter Podcast is brought to you by... Batman. <laughs> you know, it would be great if you had uh, Bib Fortuna from Jabba's Palace going, Iwanawanga. That would just make this podcast for me. But uh, today's podcast... You're going to have to send that to me. Okay. That would be great. So, hey, today's podcast is brought to you by the people, the good people, over at Regal Cinemas. You can connect with them at corporateboxoffice.com forward, uh, wait, wait, forward slash theater, T-H-E-A-T-R-E dash church. <laughs> so that's corporate box office. Uh, you know, I, I keep, I call them and I say, hey, call me back. You know, like Nigel, I'm going to Nigel on him. That's what I'm going to do. Uh, this is Nigel. You know, call me back. But uh, anyways, the uh, <clears throat> they will help you meet in a movie theater and get your church planning groove on in Regal Cinemas. So I got a really pretty woman looking at me and kiss, making kisses at me and winking right now. I really that's hope it's wife. your wife. It is. It is. Pete said, I hope that's Andrea. So, anyways, um, so on to the topic today, self-awareness. Am I a hunk of hunk of burning love? You better believe I am. And that was inwardly confirmed. I knew it. That's self-awareness. And my wife also knew it. 
So is this is this pod, Can this podcast go any more downhill? Yeah, actually, I think we're heading there. Okay. Yeah. Well, hey, self awareness. So the question that you have to ask um, when you're going into church planning um, is, what capacity leader are you? When I, when I was in seminary, I was taught and trained by men who were personally discipled by Martin Lloyd Jones, which was. I got to say, really phenomenal. Most of them have gone to be with the Lord by now, but this was back in like '99, um, you know, into early 2000s. And I'll never forget sitting. It was really cool because we would have these like, you know, weeks where we would go and do intense study, and um, they would tell stories. Like in the night, everyone would brew their tea, and we'd sit in this old like manor house. It was pretty cool, and be a bunch of us students. And these guys, it was funny because they were all super old and they would be wearing like tweed jackets. They had spent their entire lives in ministry there, preaching the gospel through the good times and during through the bad times and training the next generation. I remember um, I, I we were having this talk and I, I, I asked the question about something about, well, wouldn't Boy Jones have done this or done that? And one of these guys, he was kind of the head of the um, evangelical movement, a guy named um, Graham. And he he just looked at me and said, Lloyd-Jones was a very special man. Mm. There were very few like him. And he looked at me and said, you are no Lloyd-Jones. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. And I remember being young. I was in my 20s. And, and, and in the back of me, in the back of my mind was kind of like, I'll show him one day, you know, like, which is just fun. That's such a like young guy thing to think right now. I'm like 40 something. I'm like, okay, it's not that my time has passed, but you know, like I'm in, I'm 44, like next this year I turned 45, which scholars estimate is the year that Paul got going, which is kind of cool. So I'm not done, but it's also very much about the next generation for me. Um, there are those exceptional leaders that are out there. And for me, I remember my uh, my mentor, Mac Lake, uh, another mentor, had basically said to me one day, what if, Peyton, this, we have hit our peak, but for the time that God gives us that remains, our responsibility is to encourage and equip the next Charles Spurgeon or the next. And that excited me. I mean, that got me, you know, every, everything that I do is kind of about equipping. And by the way, that is part of self-awareness. I had to sit down and think, what is God calling me to do? Is God calling me to be the next Spurgeon? Or is he calling me to equip the next generation where gems like Spurgeon and Lloyd-Jones are hidden? And I, I came out the other side that really for this time and season of my life, it's not about me. In fact, Anytime I thought it was about me, that was bad. But self-awareness is the ability to step back and say, I'm not a Lloyd-Jones or I'm not a Spurgeon. And that's okay because maybe God didn't call me to be a Lloyd-Jones or a Spurgeon. Maybe he called me to be a Peyton Jones. Um, when when I was younger, maybe, maybe he called you to be a Pete Mitchell. Uh, I rebuke that devil. Um, <laughs> get that thought far from me. Um, but but honestly, what if what if the capacity in which God has called me is is the capacity that if I fulfill that 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 capacity, 
or I stay in my lane or I fulfill that role. I know I'm a Barnabas to a Paul or I am a the Andrew who brings uh, people to Jesus. But maybe I'm not in that inner three. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. That's self-awareness. It's it's the idea that you you don't have a false view. And Paul Paul brings this up. He says, let no one have a higher view of himself or think more of himself than he ought to. That's really sobering, right? And Paul himself at times got into places where he thought more highly of himself. And he says, and God had to humble me. And if you look at Paul on the surface, I, I would I would pose this to all of our listeners. Paul was not a celebrity. People did not envy his ministry. People did not want to be him. In fact, if you read um, 2 Corinthians, they wanted to be the false teachers. Those were the rock stars. And Paul comes in and goes, hey, let me butt in here for a second and just tell you, like, yeah, I've been shipwrecked. Yeah, I live in obscurity. Yeah, you don't hear about me. But this is what God has accomplished through me. And and he does the boasting, if you remember. He boasts what he suffers, and he boasts uh, what God's accomplished. But Paul was very self-aware. He knew what God called him to do. He wasn't called to be one of the twelve. He was called to be an apostle to the Gentiles. And he stayed in that lane, knowing that it wasn't going to bring him fame, wasn't going to bring him money, wasn't going to bring him anything else. But he knew that he would maximize his potential. And now, thousands of years later, we, we read the, the, the epistles, we read Acts, and we go, praise God for that meme. What if, in eternity future, that is your testimony, that only eternity will tell the impact that you have had as a church planner and as an equipper of other people. That was my mic drop. Bam. I can't drop it because it weighs like 30 pounds. Wow, this has been a short podcast. It, it has. It has. So, uh, guys, thanks for joining. No, but, but here's the deal, right? One of the things that we do in the SIN Network is we uh, we we do this? Um, in fact, it was funny because first time I didn't understand the assignment at all, and it was asking you to rate yourself as a church planner as to what capacity leader you were. So, for example, like we hear about Mark Driscoll, um, we hear like like Spurgeon, same thing. Like I remember when I first went into studying, I want to be Chuck Smith, so I would listen to Chuck Smith and I would talk like Chuck mm-hmm. Smith. That was when I was you know like fifteen years old. Then my youth pastor said, hey, stop trying to be him. And then he came back to me and said, stop trying to be me. <laughs> he went back and said, Peyton, be who God's called you to be. He's called you to be Peyton, right? And 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 so Spurgeon, photographic memory. When I learned he had a photographic memory, I'm like, okay, I guess I'll stop trying to be Spurgeon now. But we do this thing where you know we, we ask planners, because a, a planner who has never planted, I would say has an elevated view of what he is going to accomplish. You know, because you ask him, like, when we used to do assessments, it was almost like the underlying undertone of when we would ask questions, why do you think your church plant will successfully reach people? They had different answers, but really, if you boil it down, what they really meant was, because it's me. (laughs) Well, you know, it's funny you say that, because that is literally every entrepreneur on the planet. Yes. Like 95% of every business that started fails within five years. It's not because of lack of passion or 
they thought they had a bad idea. Every one of them thought they had the greatest idea. They were the ones. They could do it. They could make it happen. And almost all of them fail. So I don't think it's just limited to church planning. I think that's like a universal thing. It is, man. And, you know, Gary Vaynerchuk, um, if, if you ask Gary Vaynerchuk, uh, what's the number one most important quality for an entrepreneur, he would say self-awareness. In fact, he spent all of 2016 making that his central message. Self-awareness, self-awareness. Know who you are. Know what your giftings are. Know what you – and stay in that lane, right? Maximize it. But if you don't have self-awareness, you end up trying to be someone else. You end up not using your God-given gifts that were put there by the Holy Spirit and the abilities, and you miss the opportunities that God has put in front of you because you so badly want to be somebody else, right? And you fail. I, I, I had a chat with um, one of my planners, um, planning in a really rough neighborhood. And he is. he said, you know, I'm going to redouble. I'm going to go back. We're going to fold it down a little bit. And I'm just going to do this. And I asked him, what are you doing right now? And he said, I'm discipling. And I'm discipling like crazy. And the Holy Spirit's really just kind of taking And I told him, okay, right there. That's all I want you to do. I don't want you to plan it. I don't even want you to think about a church planner right now. Because what that guy is super good at is discipling others. And I told him, if you will just do that, you won't be able to hold back a church plant in time. It's going to be effortless. But what you did, if we look back at what you did, you started off really well. You hit that that neighborhood just doing that. And then you suddenly shifted and tried to make a church plant happen to the expense of what you were good at, which was just making disciples. And he's a part of the network that I founded years ago called New Breed. Um, he, that, that's what New Breed specializes in, is discipling non-believers into believers. That's what almost every New Breed church planner has in common. And I just told him, just focus on that for two years. And I guarantee you, well, I'll still talk to you within that time, but I guarantee you in two years' time, we won't be talking about how to plant a church in your neighborhood. It will have already just naturally happened. And that's self-awareness, right? That's the importance of self-awareness for a church planner, is knowing what you're called to do. Right. Yep. So uh, going back to this this uh, SIN network, um, this this project that we had, we, we would ask planners to self-assess what kind of capacity leader they, was, they were because they, they had this overinflated view of what they could do. So... We, what, one of the things we would ask him, this was, it was kind of more like a sneaky self-assessment that would tell him, hey, you're not all that. <laughs> what we would say is we would say, okay, what's the, uh, you know, what's the average size of church in your area? And they would, they would work that out. They'd make some phone calls. They would look at different congregations. Then we would say, right, what, what is, how long have those churches been going? They would look at that, and then we say, okay, we want you to get in touch with this person and find out from the Sin City missionary um, how many church plants in the last few years, um, you know, uh, have launched and, you know, what their size is now in X amount of years. Now, after you have all that data and you looked at that, um, go ahead and write yourself out a trajectory. Where are you going to be in one year? <laughs> 
three mm-hmm. years, five years. And what was great about that is that it kind of held up like 20 to 30 different churches, church plants, people who in their city or county have been doing it. And it kind of showed them like, huh. So there's kind of like an average here. And and it was the setup for us to tell them, you have to understand your city. Why? Then then we could dig deeper. Why do you think that's the case? You know, do you think that, um, for example, if I go into a neighborhood, like if you came into my town and you wanted to church plant in Carlsbad or Oceanside and you threw this giant mega thing and said, I'm just going to go giant mega, good luck with that. There hasn't been a giant mega started in probably 20, 30 years that took off here. And yet the amount of people that come into this area with that as their model, you can watch their launch videos, you can watch them on Facebook, and they fail. They're not here anymore. I'll just tell you, they're not here anymore. Because they thought, I'm going to be the next Rick Warren. It's kind of like Joker on Batman. Wait till they get a load of me, you know? Um, they, they can't wait to show their stuff and strut it out. And when they do their best and they strut it out, um, the church folds and the church planner, quote unquote, fails. So the question is, you know, it's not just self-awareness. Like self-awareness is, hey, leaders better than you. And I I know this is all demotivating, but it church planners get hurt and their credibility gets tarnished. And what why I think self-assessment or why I think self-awareness is important is because it causes you to look at your city and your target area with fresh eyes. Okay, so it's not about me, right? I'm, I, why do I think I'm going to be different? And I, I'll never forget being on the assessment team with the uh, Sin, Sin Network assessments, which were rad. They were like two-day assessments face-to-face. And I would grill these guys. How are you going to do it? What, what are you going to do that hasn't been done? And I would grill these guys. And if a guy can't fight through that and tell me this is how it's going to be with confidence, this is what we're going to do, and we don't know what's going to happen, but, you know, we're kind of really largely relying on the Holy Spirit for this as well. Um, but he has a bold plan. He's going to he's gonna be doing face-to-face stuff. And then he has a humility to say, I don't know if it's going to work, but you know what? I'm going to do it anyways because it's how God's called me, and I can't ignore that call. And I'm like, okay, you're ready to rock and roll, my friend. Interesting. Yeah. That's what I want to see. I want to see a humility, which is comes from self-awareness. I want to see a plan, which tells me it's not just because it's him, but he understands the makeup of his community and says, I've got a plan because I've studied the community. I realize it's not about me and my gifts and abilities. Number three, it's about God. And, and, and he's calling me to do this. Those are the three factors I need to see for a guy to pass assessment. Um, so, so that said, there's also another layer to this. Um, a church planner needs to, to really have an awareness of, you know, what, what is your lane? You know, we, we talk about fist leadership. Are you an apostle? Are you a prophet? Are you an evangelist? Are you a shepherd? And are you a teacher? And we all know about the strengths of those five roles. But self-awareness also involves knowing your weaknesses. So if I know that I'm apostolic, guess what? 
I'm probably going to have a real big blind spot when it comes to shepherding. If I'm a shepherd, I'm probably going to have a real big blind spot when it comes to kingdom expansion. Um, if I'm a prophet, I'm probably going to have a blind spot and a weakness in regards to um, doctrinal truth. And, by the way, I'm going to be impatient about things. I'm, I'm going to want people to get right right now. I'm going to want them to repent right now. I'm going to want people to be looking to God right now. I'm not going to want to sit through your business meeting. Do you, do you follow me? Yeah, I do. I mean, each one of these roles comes with weaknesses. So over the years, um, when I started working with higher capacity leaders, one of the things that you always find with leaders that are exceptional is they tell you up front what their weaknesses are. So when I started working with uh, Mac Lake, Mac now this Lake isn't Friday. like the the job interview when someone asks you what are your weaknesses and you go, I care too much and I tend to work too hard. I overcommit to my job. <laughs> yeah. So you know, like what I tell people is, I tell people I forget stuff. I forget stuff a lot. I don't forget facts. I don't forget trivia. I don't forget things in in regards to what I've read. But you do but forget you when. A friend gives you a, a Christmas card. <laughs> you tend to leave that unopened for months. Under the seat of your car. Hey, look, there's money in here. <laughs> you go, don't lose this card. It was safely tucked under my seat for the next six months. <laughs> oh, my gosh, that's so funny. But you know what's funny, man, is, you know, like Mac, when, when he first uh, started working with me, he goes, hey, by the way, I want to tell you my weakness up front. This is because I don't want you to be frustrated. These are my weaknesses. His, his strengths were just like an 11 on a scale of 1 to 10. But then he'd be like, hey, my communication isn't always good. And when I knew that, it was like, cool. You know, he knows that. And, uh, and that's fantastic. And because I'm apostolic, I was like, I don't need you to talk to me. <laughs> I'm just going to crank on with what you give me. Rock and roll, man. But, you know, the, the reality is... Um, for me, I, I've had to come to know that, that my weakness um, is I tend to forget. Like, that's one of my major things, as I tend to forget. I also do overcommit. Um, another one of my weaknesses is that I care too much. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> another one of my weaknesses is that I will, um, uh, I, I am what's called a reflective theorist. So on my learning styles, I will, let's put it this way. Like I'll, I'll have people on my team go, dude, how do you crank that out? Or, you know, I'm, I'm writing, I'm constantly writing stuff. I'm writing articles or I'm, you know, right now I'm on like four different projects. And on the surface, if people ask me what happened this week, what did you accomplish? What did you do? I don't talk about what I do very often. But if I talk about it, people would be like, dude, like even like Mac in the first year, he goes, dude, second year he goes, you gotta slow down because I'm worried I'm gonna like burn you out. Like, and I'm like, no, dude, I'm I'm an achiever on the strength finder. Like, I'm also a strategy and I'm also an arranger. So those three combinations together are good. But my weaknesses on my learning style, I'm a reflective theorist, which means if you see action happening on the ground rapidly, that's not how it is in real life. You know this because you know me up front. You know that I will talk about things for maybe a year, maybe a year and a half before I execute on it. You know, I build courses back a house. 
there will come a day where all of a sudden my courses will start dropping. Boom, boom, boom. And people will be like, where did those come from? Well, I started writing those like two years ago, you know, because I, I sit on stuff and I think about it. You're the opposite. You get an idea. It's like, let's do this now. Boom. You know, and you, you run. You drop stuff like like it inspires me. You'll get an idea and you'll be like, let's do it. Let's just figure it out and do it. Bam. You know, yep. me, I'm more cautious. Yep. Know? I'm sorry. Was I supposed to say something? Uh, I'm the rabbit. You're the turtle. I just got tired of talking. <laughs> it like okay, self awareness. Another thing, self awareness. Coaching. I am not a coach. I am never mm. going to be a coach. I am in love with my own advice. I'm self aware about this. I laugh at myself about it. In my church plans, you know this. I never lead discussion groups. I'll write church zero. I'll tell you why that's essential for this next generation. Why it's essential for people. To come to faith, you won't catch me leading a discussion group because I do what I do here. I talk. I don't shut up. So, self-awareness, take myself off discussion groups. Not allowed to do them. That's interesting because I've known some people who have led groups who could not shut up and had to talk, and I wouldn't go back to them. Like, Absolutely. Why am I at a discussion group where I'm sitting here listening to you? It's driving me up the wall. Right. Right. Yeah. And and Andrea, you know, like if we do a home study, she doesn't. I I let her lead because she is fantastic with discussion. So I I don't I don't lead the discussion ever. It's just not my thing. I like it. Yeah. I mean, but you can see it, right? Like everyone. Funny. Oh, I can with you because I used to make the joke at, at Refuge Huntington or uh, Long Beach that if you weren't preaching that day and you had to give the announcements, we knew it was going to be 10 minutes of announcements because like so true too. Oh, so it true. totally was. Yeah. It's like, oh, I don't get to preach. Well, I got to talk to them anyway. <laughs> I mean, and then, and then I, I, my excuse was, oh, I was vision casting one up there. <laughs> I used the announcement time to vision cast. That's every pastor's excuse. Oh, I'm just casting vision. That's all. Yeah. You know, and there's a lot of things you guys can do. You can do Myers-Briggs. You can do Strength Finders. You can, you know, it, it, you'll start, when you make sense to you, it, it, it's really helpful. Like, for example, this week, I had a, I had a chat with a leader who was, um, he was given the task of admin. Um, and, and it was an important task. It was the uh, the giving page went down uh, on his church, and he was tasked. And I, I told him, I said, you know, listen, I'm just going to tell you this. You should never, ever do that stuff ever again. And he said, well, they're discipling me to know this. I said, no, if you want to know it, you hire somebody, you pay them $500 to do what you just did because it took you from November to now to do um, and you've lost thousands of dollars by not having that page up. Um, you, you just you just lost in November and December thousands of dollars, not counting what. So I, I would estimate four to five, maybe ten thousand got lost. I said you hire somebody, and you say while you're doing this, can I shadow you and learn this? That's the way you do it. Mm. Self awareness would tell you, hmm. This is not operating or leading according to my strengths. And I told him, that's actually bad leadership, man. Like, you need to actually never do that again. Give it to someone who does their strength, pay them to do it, 
and say, it's good for me to know this. Can I shadow you while I pay you to do it correctly? That's how you got to do that stuff. But again, self-awareness, it, it's cost the church, I yeah. would say, thousands and thousands. Yeah, so and that, I think... That's the cost of not having it. What do you say, though, to the guy who's not self-aware that he's not as good as he thinks he is in certain areas? Yeah, because some guys just think they're great at certain things, and you're like, oh, my gosh, this is awful. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think I think that... Uh, I think friendship does that. You know, sometimes, like, I trust what you say to me. Like, if you tell me, hey, Peyton, you know, boom, boom, boom. It's it's very rare that you'll take me aside and talk to me or rebuke me. There's been It's very rare that I hold back. <laughs> but that's what I'm saying. I trust you. There, there's been times where, uh, you know, I've maybe misjudged somebody and I've got something and you'll be like, mm, I don't think you can say that, man. I don't think, I don't think that's fair. And... I listen to that because A, you're my friend. B, you know me and you, and you know my weaknesses. You know that I might sometimes read a little too much into something, um, in certain situations. And so I, I think that comes with friendship and I know you care about me. I know. Okay. So, but how do you help the guy who doesn't have that? <sighs> you, you know, it, it's weird. <sighs> There's that age-old dilemma in Proverbs. Rebuke a fool, lest he's wise in his own eyes. Right? There, there's that sense. You've got to make that decision. Do I want to be the guy who rebukes him because I want to help him? And that's really your motive. Or do I, you know, and with that comes the flip side of it, which is do not rebuke a fool according to his folly, lest he hate you. Just know that if you do it for his own good, it's going to be really good for him, but really bad for you. Hmm. So in other words, you can rebuke him. I've been rebuked by people that I got mad at them when they rebuked me. For example, um, I had a guy tell me, uh, another leader, he told me I was in bondage to coffee. We were on a pastor's retreat. A bunch of pastors and whales got together. And he was a lawyer, so it's not like I could out-argue him. And he told me, you are under the bondage of coffee. And he wasn't a legalist at all. He was a total grace guy. But he just made the observation. I said, no, I'm not. He goes, yeah, you are. He goes, the amount of times you've talked about it. He goes, you talk about it like, like it's a hit of heroin, man. And I, I did. He made me mad. I am like, not in bondage to guns. <laughs> but, you know, it, it, was, it was funny because there are times where, you know, um, even like when I was younger in ministry, um, I was being considered for the role of senior pastor of Refuge Huntington. And I had an elder come to me. <laughs> okay, I was 21, 20, 21, I think, 22 years old when I took that role. And uh, he said to me, hey, um, he came up to me and said, look, uh, the elders really want you to be the next pastor. And that was at that stage, was before Bill Welsh had come into the picture. But he goes, but... They're kind of concerned you're young. And he goes, i got to be honest, you're not doing yourself any favors by, by networking at night with, with the other guys in the church and playing all these, like, you know, uh, whatever it was, like real-time strategy games where we obliterate each other's armies. He's like, I, you know, I'm just saying, like, it, it kind of makes you look like a kid. I remember saying to him, I'm 21. <laughs> like, dude, 
I, I am, if, if you're wondering, like, I'm acting my age. Like, mm. I am 20, 21 years old. I hate to disappoint you. Um, but, you know, so I didn't stop. <laughs> you know? But, uh, but, but you know, I, I wasn't mad at him. But I, I think people can speak into your life, but just know it runs to that risk. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, and sometimes you just think, there are times where I just know this guy's just got to learn, you know, and he's not going to become self-aware. Um, if I tell him, self-awareness is going to occur a little bit down the line when he gets thumped and whacked. Uh, th- there's a thing. You can always tell with, like, the older older ministers that are in a room when the younger guy's popping off. They just kind of give this knowing look to each other, like, it's going to hurt. It's coming, and it's going to hurt. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I, I would imagine it's the same in your camp with your people. What are my people? Entrepreneurs. I don't know. Entrepreneurs, it's, it's I don't know. It's a tough camp, man. It's a tough camp. It is. it is. Well, hey, look, hey, I don't want to beat the dead horse anymore, but guys, um, check out things like Myers-Briggs, Strength Finder, Disc Profile. You can learn all about those. You can study learning theories. Um, you can do all that, talk to people, figure out which you are on the APES, work out what kind of capacity leader you are, work out what style of leader you are. I mean, there's so much. Ask people. You know, um, ask people things. One of the exercises we do is do we ask people to ask their leadership team. These are our values. Do you see these values in my life? Do I operate by these values? Invite other people to speak in your life in these areas. And that will make you more self-aware. But you have to be willing and teachable to learn. And the Bible says that's where wisdom comes from. Being self-aware, that's why it says, you know, know, uh, humility. Is, is what wisdom brings, or wisdom can't come without humility in the Proverbs. It, it begins with self-awareness. Mm. So anyways, guys, thanks for joining us today for the podcast. Just wanted to um, uh, remind you that Exponential is this week. You can hop on uh, the, live, the live feed of that. It is free. Um, there is, you just go to exponential.org, and you'll find the uh, live cast of the conference there and uh, that's all i have to say about that so uh pete any final words um hey if you're not a math pastor head on over to simplifychurch.com talk to josh and let them take care of all of your math headaches website workman's comp all that stuff they do it all all right well hey this has been peyton jones and pete mitchell reminding you if you want to reach the ones no one's reaching you need to go where nobody's going and do what nobody's doing Thanks for joining us for another weekly episode of the Church Planner Podcast with Pete Mitchell and Peyton Jones. We'd love to hear your comments on this episode of the Church Planner Podcast. Visit us online and let us know what you thought at churchplannerpodcast.com. If you subscribe to us via iTunes and have enjoyed the podcast, leave us a positive review. The more positive reviews we receive in iTunes, the more iTunes will promote us to other church planners who would benefit from this show. This podcast is brought to you by the Church Planner Magazine, which is available in the iTunes newsstand or online via churchplannermagazine.com. Music